Okay, so, uh, before we get into the topic, I just want to make a quick announcement, um, for the listeners. Uh, in two weeks' time, on... I should have looked at a calendar before I started <laughs> In the future. Uh, in the future. In two weeks' time, on Friday, May 8th, we are going to be talking about a piece of popular culture. Um, as as longtime listeners of the show, and by long time, I mean all of three months, uh, no, we started the show, uh, episode one was sort of a, uh, a review walkthrough of uh, Groundhog Day. And uh, we liked that a lot, and we figured it'd be it'd be fun to you know once a quarter take a break from the usual productivity goals, work, cognition kinds of things that we talk about, and uh, do something fun. So that's what we're going to do again for our fourteenth episode again, which will be out May the eighth. Um, this time around, we are talking about a um, not quite a TV show, I guess, <laughs> but a, a sitcom called Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which is. Available in its entirety right now on Netflix. Uh, it's one season of 13 episodes, each uh, around 22 minutes, so it's not a gigantic time commitment. Um, there's more in it than there would be a movie, but less than, you know, a, a series of uh, a season of a TV show with more than 13 episodes or a season of a TV show that you're watching with commercials, certainly. So um, I think it's very doable in the next couple of weeks. So if you want to follow along with us then, um, again, that'll be May 8th, so you've got two weeks to do it. Uh, it's available on Netflix. If you already have a subscription, um, you're golden. Uh, if you don't, I'll mention for everybody as well, uh, Netflix has a trial membership available. I don't recall off the top of my head if it's just a couple weeks or if it's a full month. But in any event, if you give them all of your, your payment details, um, you can generally get at least some period of time for free before they charge you anything. So if you just want to jump in, watch this, and then jump back out, um, you can do that. Uh, but I, I highly recommend it. It's a very funny, very um, upbeat, cheerful show, and uh, we'll have a lot more to say about it in two weeks. Um, Katie, do you have anything to say about that? Yay! Very good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and there's plenty of uh, criticism and reviews out there as well, um, which will probably um, take part in the conversation just because my viewing experience happened after I had heard about it from other parties, um, which is always interesting the way that uh, sometimes critiques can precede our consumption of things themselves these days. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think it'll be a good time. Yeah. So again, that'll be in, that'll be in two weeks, um, May 8th, Unbreakable mm -hmm. Kimmy Schmidt. Um, be there and be square. Thank you, Max, so much for that <laughs> announcement. Well, as you know, I am a broadcast advertising professional. Just, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> are you uh, are you thanking me so profusely because we are here to talk about gratitude? No, I just so deeply. Um, yeah, no, I'm just being uh, facetious about the topic. Yes, gratitude. You are listening to Priority, a podcast about choices, limitations, and getting stuff done. Priority is hosted by Katie Leibman and her brother, Max Leibman. That's me. Today's episode is entitled, Maybe I'm Not a Horrible Person. For complete show notes, including links to anything we discuss on the podcast today, visit us online at priority.fm slash 12. I'm trying to 
think of exactly the origin. So we had the pleasure of um, hanging out in person, which doesn't always happen in our lives. Um, but we are family, so sometimes it happens. <laughs> um, at a family event this last weekend, and um, we were sitting around, and I, th- if I'm remembering, but of course, um, chime in. At one point in the conversation, we had been talking about, um, oh, a phenomenon when people are so sort of, mm, I mean, over grateful. I'm trying to think of a, another way to say it. Um, when you do normal things for other humans and they treat them as if they had been the world's largest favors in the world, um, the world's largest favors in the world, um, and how that feeling of being over overpraised for something or overthanked for something um, just has a really sort of nasty effect. Um, so I think we had been talking about this issue of gratitude and and when it is appropriate to thank people and when it is effective to thank people for things that they've done um, in all sorts of scenarios. Um, was that kind of how we got to this? Uh, <laughs> got thinking about this? Maybe. <laughs> I know we've I know we've talked about that both on on the air and off previously. Mm-hmm. Um, the and I don't I don't know if this was the genesis of it when we were hanging out in Florida or if this this came up after we started talking about mm-hmm. gratitude as a topic. But the other thing I was kind of thinking about another thread was um, in in a similar vein. Um, you know, you were talking about uh, you know over over. Uh, gracious thanks, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, overpraising someone who's done something for you. Um, I, I was, I'm also kind of interested in in uh, how we act as the recipients of gratitude. Um, and and again, I don't know if this was the cause of the conversation or an effect of it, but we ended up talking a little bit about um, how people respond to being thanked, uh, mm-hmm. and and in in general, in cases where the thanks is is kind of appropriate. Um, things like the, um, uh, this it has been fairly widely commented on. I'll link up a couple places in the show notes, including uh, an episode of uh, John Roderick and Merlin Mann's Roderick on the Line podcast, where they talked about it fairly extensively. Um, the phenomenon of saying things like no problem or mm-hmm. not a problem when you're being thanked, you know, mm-hmm. as though, as though a request or something, you know, had, had, had been a challenge to overcome and you want to minimize it. Um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, in um, I am led to believe by high school and college Spanish classes, which I <laughs> grant may not in fact be an accurate representation of anybody's culture, uh, <laughs> that in Spanish-speaking countries it is common to say uh, de nada, um, which I believe literally means something like of nothing um, and would translate mm-hmm. more idiomatically to something like it was nothing, uh, mm-hmm. which I think is similarly problematic. Um, mm-hmm. Because you are problem. You, and again, yeah, you are you are minimizing um, what you did, uh, which is is somewhat gracious. You know, if somebody feels like they're putting you out, obviously you want to put them at ease, um, and that's I think where a no problem response is appropriate. If someone is very apologetic about their request mm-hmm. um, while they're thanking you, it might be fine to throw in. Right. Um, but it also in in other cases where you know someone is not apologetic about their request, in which their request was legitimate and your service was legitimate, um, you're you're sort of uh, denigrating or downplaying their thanks. Um, you're you're yeah. not graciously accepting their interpretation of events and who deserves credit for it. Mm-hmm. Well, now I'm thinking, um, and I'm I'm very bad at looking things up on the side while we're talking. Um, probably more so than. 
um, most people anyway. I'm trying to think of, so if the sort of standard etiquette approved response would be, you're welcome. Now I'm in this cloud in my brain about where did we even get that from? <laughs> you know, like sure. you're welcome. You're welcome to what? <laughs> right, right. Well, um, I, you're welcome yeah. to my attention or my service or uh, uh, in my home. I would assume, um, seeing as so much of etiquette seems to have grown up around things like um, uh, uh, hospitality. You know, having people in your home, serving food, things like that. I mm-hmm. would not be surprised if it is if it is you know related to that to hospitality. You're saying you are welcome here. You know, in my mm-hmm. house, in my life, in my at my table. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lovely quotation I just found, um, apparently from Shakespeare's Othello. Um, one character saying to another, "Madam, good night. I humbly thank your ladyship." And Desdemona, Othello's wife, says, "Your honor is most welcome." Mm. Um, so saying you are welcome to, yeah, you are welcome Mm -hmm. to my attention, like you said, or, um, my hosting, my whatever. Right. And who that, that could even in fact be the origin of it, because as we know, Shakespeare is responsible for 73% of the English language. Yeah, no, I won't even like make a joke out of that. Like we do with Lincoln because (laughs) 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 no, really. (laughs) Yeah. My number, my number is, is, uh, fictitious and grossly overblown, but yeah, compared to any other individual we can point to in history, he did Mm -hmm. invent a ridiculous number of words and idioms. Yeah. That's much less of a joke. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Because maybe he did, we could make a joke and it could accidentally be correct. (laughs) That is absolutely, absolutely accurate. Mm -hmm. We could accidentally have just... (laughs) Shared a fact with the world, uh, but yeah, if we if we find the etymology of uh, of your welcome, we can put that in show notes. But if not, sorry, folks, mm-hmm. um, it'll just be a mystery. But I would I would assume hospitality. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, I'm also just on a quick Google search. Um, a Huff- Huffington Post business section mm, editorial. Yes, yes, also about- a, a deeply authoritative source of knowledge. <laughs> just much like Shakespeare, they make a lot of stuff up. <laughs> um, no, just someone talking about um, how you ought not to say you're welcome, and I'm not catching the reason very quickly. Um, well, go ahead, go ahead and read a little bit. We can wait. <laughs> I can cut all. This we out. isn't everyone. <laughs> I, I can edit. I can. Oh, sure, sure, sure. I thought you were teasing the audience. Like, just hang out. Um, <laughs> Thank you. The automatic response is, you're welcome. It's a basic rule of politeness. Um, there's a moment of power that we can all be versus. Thank you. Oh, so it's basically advocating for a more unique response. Something like, instead of saying, you're welcome, saying, I know you'd do the same for me. Um, saying because, that specifically or, or saying a variety of things and tailoring them to the circumstance? Um, it sounds like that one in particular, but for the reasons that... It um, it reinforces that you are a helpful person. It reinforces that you think reciprocity is important. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Hmm, interesting. Hmm. So their advocate, this author, is advocating that there's more power in something like that because you are you're not just finishing the exchange, but you are sort of upping the. Mm-hmm. Situation. Yeah, well, I, 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 um, I disagree, but <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think there is a good 
point there in that um, you're welcome being the formulaic response. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and unfortunately, in many places, no problem being the formulaic response. Um, there, there is, <laughs> I think there is something to be said for, for even if it becomes an automatic habitual one for you, choosing a different response just because then you're not just fulfilling the transaction in some obviously culturally scripted way. Yeah. Um, you know, if you are mm-hmm. saying anything else in place of you're welcome, it will at least appear, um, at least to people who don't deal with you every single day and hear it over and over again, uh, like you are being a little bit more authentic and spontaneous and, mm-hmm. and perhaps through that a little more sincere and genuine um, mm-hmm. in how you respond. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I'd necessarily, I don't know. Um, do we need to reinforce reciprocity? I think that's already pretty well baked into our, our genes and mm-hmm. culture. Um, well, I mean, it's an automatic gesture to say thank you and you're welcome mm-hmm. so often, I think. Um, yeah, I don't know. Because its absence tells us something, too. I'm thinking of even the basic thing, like, you very obviously wait a moment to hold open a door for a stranger who's coming behind you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's pretty well accepted that in a moment where a stranger does something a little extra for you, you know, even waits a half second, um, some sort of acknowledgement, even if it's a smile or whatever, mm-hmm. um, is sort of expected. I guess just acknowledgement. I guess acknowledgement is related to yeah, absolutely. gratitude. Absolutely. Um, and I'll, I'll mention here, uh, because I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast. I know we, we did talk about it in Florida this last week, but um, it'll be new to listeners anyhow. Uh, my, my sort of habitual response um, that really grew up in, in a few too many years of retail experience, frankly, uh-huh. um, but has, it's carried over into, into other work. And I think it's I, I don't know if I would say it is the best one, but if you're going to have a habitual automatic one that is one of the, the standard well-accepted responses to thank you, I think mm-hmm. it is the best. Uh, and, and you know, it's, it's definitely my favorite, whether it's objectively the best or not. And that is my pleasure. Sure, um, sure. I, I really like that one. Um, to me, you know, even when it's not true – you know, it's one of these things, If even when it's not true, if I can say it and and try my darndest to mean it, um, mm-hmm. it does leave me feeling a little bit more pleasantly disposed towards whoever I just performed a service for, for whatever yeah. I just did for them. And that's mm-hmm. no bad thing, you know, particularly if you're in a service industry. Um, you're going to have another customer after that and another customer after that. And if you can convince yourself you like what you are doing for them <laughs> slightly more than you do, everybody's going to be a little better off at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And often it is true, you know, um, when I can say it the most sincerely is when I have enjoyed the most working with whoever I am dealing with on whatever the problem is, um, you know, and it's, it's nice mm-hmm. to express that. Uh, and it does, I think it does some of the same work that saying no problem or not a problem is meant to do, which is it, it minimizes, um, it minimizes any, any, uh, feelings of in, indebtedness in the person that you're dealing with. Yeah, you know, you but, want to accept mm-hmm. their gratitude, but you also, you don't want to minimize the fact that they're thanking you. Um, but it is nice to minimize their feeling of, of indebtedness to you, particularly in a transaction where they are already, for instance, in a retail environment or a restaurant, they're paying, you know? Mm-hmm. The transaction is very clear. They right. they have fulfilled their debt to you by paying the check and, you know, depending on the context, leaving a tip. Um 
it's it's nice to let them know, you know, because again, reciprocity is baked into all of this stuff. That's a that's right. a you know key driver of a lot of human social behavior. Um, you want to let them know, like they're off the hook at that point. And I think saying mm-hmm. saying no problem is kind of meant to do that, but saying my pleasure, I think, does it in a classier way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't minimize the fact that you did actually perform a service. You know, yeah. you're not you're not saying it was nothing. You are saying I did work for you for this time, but I mm-hmm. enjoyed it and I appreciate I'm glad the opportunity. To do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And it also the the other thing I like about it, there's another another response that I really <laughs> grates on me a little bit more after that hearing that Roderick on the line episode, because they talk about this. And that's the tendency to thank people back. You know, the thank you, no thank you. <laughs> um and and I think my pleasure also fulfills a little bit of, of that, you know, scratches that itch. You're letting mm-hmm. them know you also appreciated the opportunity to participate in this <laughs> with, without mm-hmm. deflecting their thank you and saying, no, no, it is mm-hmm. you, the customer, who should be thanked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and again, I think there are exceptions, you know, moments where people um, believe that, uh, how am I, what am I trying to say? Um, when people, for whatever reason, do think they've been in imposition, but really they're asking for something that is completely acceptable, you know, mm-hmm. where you really do want to reinforce like, oh, no, 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 like, you're absolutely right. I'm so glad you brought it up. Thank you for being here or mm-hmm. whatever. Sure. You know, but no, I absolutely hear you. Like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> at and, that point, and if you somebody, really do. Mm-hmm. If somebody does insist that something is a problem, I think that is where a response like, it's no problem is appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, 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 to reinforce that. Mm-hmm. Um but otherwise, yeah, at that point, <laughs> if it were false or you really couldn't tell where it's coming from, uh that would almost merit what we were talking about our fake sassy responses mm-hmm. to <laughs> unnecessary thank yous like for what? Yeah, like, exactly. What? what do you want? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, so so like for instance, if you were to say thank you to me, go ahead and mm-hmm. say it. Thank you. Well, I didn't do anything. Ooh, that's, that's gross. Oh, that's I mean, that's gross. that's a lot of what you're saying when you say no problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. Or, you know, in <laughs> in our sarcastic culture, like you're backhandedly telling them it was. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <Yeah. laughs> oh, it's like, no you say problem. Thank you. you say thank you. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> like, yeah, kind of gross. Kind of gross. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think being able to accept thank you, um, to be to accept some thanks, I think is a, is not a mm-hmm. it's not a bad thing to to be able to do mm-hmm. and to do you know graciously and and with a little class. And that mm-hmm. was um, again, I'll link it up in show notes. The episode of Roderick on the line where they talked about this. That, this a lot of the thrust was um, sort of a cultural point that. Um, I don't, I don't know, you know, they didn't back it up with research or anything. I can't really point to anything aside from, you know, their, their sense of the situation. Um, but they made the point as well that a lot of this, you know, no problem, de nada culture, um, (laughs) uh, and thanking people back sort of arises from this idea that no one wants to be in a position to be thanked because no one wants to acknowledge that, that they're a server, you know, that they are there to, to perform Mm -hmm. a service for others. Mm -hmm. Um, because we have forgotten as a culture that, you know, wait staff and people who work in grocery stores, uh, can do their work with a lot of dignity. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) 
I know it's a shocking concept, but you know, they're you, humans too. You can be a person with professionalism and dignity and render service to other human beings, mm-hmm. and not yeah. lose any of that dignity in the process. Right. Well, and I really do like what you were saying about my pleasure, the effect that that attitude can have on the person who is constantly receiving praise, whether or not they believe they deserve it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to think, and I'm having a little deja vu about whether we've talked about this or I was talking about it with someone else, but um, I know there are a number of studies out there showing that um, you find people that you like and appreciate more attractive than people that you disdain. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, you, you literally see them differently. You will rate their sure. attractiveness and their positive qualities better if you already think that you like them. Um, well, maybe we've talked about the opposite before too, that when you dismiss someone, mm-hmm. you no, find, I, I think we talked yeah. about both. Um, yeah. when, when we, um, we're supposed to be talking about Sheena Iyengar's art of choosing, um, <laughs> And we ended up talking about relationships. Uh, I think I think we we talked about both ways: the dehumanizing mm-hmm. of people you don't like, and you know, as well as um, when you when you are in a position where you do something nice for somebody, you tend to mm-hmm. see them better. I think was the yes. the specific example there, but I mean a similar thing to what you're saying. You know, mm-hmm. if you see anything positive about them, it becomes easier to see the other positive things about them. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so I was thinking too. Um, did you have anything else on any of that? Uh, no, but I'm, 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 uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Cause I would Thank love you. To Thank you for trend. checking. I appreciate you it very much. You are so welcome. Mm. Um. <laughs> and welcome on your podcast. <laughs> Sir, calm down. Um, <laughs> inappropriate responses to gratitude. Take two. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Sir, calm down. Um, where was I going? Yes. So I was thinking about this leading up to our conversation right now in the present moment. Um, for me, I was thinking a lot about the idea of praise and how it's related to gratitude. Because I think when we were talking uh, down in vacation land in Florida um, about one of the things that had come to mind first was um, a study about the idea of praise. Um so even though we were talking about gratitude specifically, so expressing um, not just approval, but expressing you know, gratefulness, expressing um, thankfulness. Um, but my brain hopped to the idea of praise, too, and I was thinking about it this afternoon. And for me, I think the two can be very related. Um, so just now when we we're talking about um, seeing things in a better light, if you if you already believe you like something or you see value in part of it, that makes it easier to see more value. Um, I was thinking about what happens in student feedback or even feedback among peers. Um, when I get students in my classroom, a lot of them have been taught feedback methods, um, (laughs) like something called a praise sandwich. (laughs) Uh, in, yeah. Okay. Okay. You're, you're, you're nodding. I can tell. I you. am. You're verbally nodding. Yes. Um, <laughs> I was literally nodding at first because I was taking a sip of water when you said it. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the idea that it is okay to critique a peer if you just sandwich it in there between a little compliment and then a, another little compliment. Um, and that idea is just really funny to me that 
everyone seems to know the structure. They've been taught it or it's happened to them. And they still like to do that to each other to sort of soften the blow of critique because heaven forbid we ever constructively critique someone and it not crush their soul. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I think a lot about the, of this idea of praise. Um, and I was thinking about the ties and the differences between gratitude and praise. And I was trying to think of some of the language that I use when I'm responding to students work, um, whether it's in writing or verbally or in an email or whatever. Um, and I think for me, some of my language really does blur the two types of expressions. So for instance, something that I will say for almost any submission of writing in my class is somewhere in my notes or verbally, I will say, thanks for sharing, mm-hmm. um, something like that. Um, that's become a really, um, well, not, I mean, <laughs> I don't really, I think the idea of a compliment sandwich is kind of arbitrary, but for me, that's my version of it is, I will acknowledge that the person has shared something with me. They didn't have to, you know, right. this course, this course may be something that they view as a hurdle. They must, they must climb over, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. As, as their... we talked about the, um, the, the class as, uh, as rung on ladder to be climbed rather than right, opportunity right. for projects and, and advancement. Absolutely. So, so maybe that's true, but sharing one's work is still a vulnerable act. And so, even if I mostly do have critique for that person or um, I'm pointing out um, shortcomings or, you know, whatever, um, I would like to acknowledge that they at least let me read something of theirs, you know. And, you know, I don't know that that's praise, but I would say it's an acknowledgement and maybe acknowledgement is a type of gratitude. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, I I think there's something, um, there's a certain class of praise that I think we can we can tie into gratitude if you're looking if you're looking for a, an exit from gratitude into praise to talk more about praise no 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 um, you're fine but uh, I, I do think there's a there's a class of praise that um, that does tie directly to gratitude and that is when you are expressing appreciation for someone mm-hmm. for what they are or what they do or what they have done um, you know if your praise is appreciative, you know, mm-hmm. gratitude, you know, quite literally is, is expressing appreciation for something done for you. Um, but I, I mean, appreciation more generally, I, I think is a, is a huge area of praise. You know, I, I, you are doing something interesting and, and bold here and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, is a different kind of thing than just saying, you know, <laughs> that's bold. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. No, um, one of the which which of... could also be super sarcastic. Like you know, if oh, you're commenting, you know, you're, <laughs> this is a freshman comp paper, and you use the word <laughs> five times. That's bold. Uh-huh. <laughs> no tone whatsoever. <laughs> you figure out what I mean by that, and whether it's. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um. Yes. <laughs> no. So a couple different things. One thing I was thinking is. Um, Yeah, so one of the strategies um, I ask my students to practice because um, sometimes critique uh, without structure, without practice, uh, stays in the realm of, well, I liked this, period. Well, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I didn't like this, Mm -hmm. period, you know, with no explanation and no specificity. And that's not really helpful when you're trying to grow. So 
um, I try to sort of banish the words I like and I disliked. Um, and instead, I ask students to try to, you know, short of any other good practices, I ask them to try to structure it uh, using the phrases I appreciate, I, I notice, or I wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, because those formations usually lead to something more specific. Because you could just say, I like this sentence. But when you say, I appreciate blah, 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 what I notice is most people will say something more specific automatically. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that this sentence, blah, 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 instead. Instead of, I like the sentence. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. you've identified it. Why? <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Um, it does, uh, you, something, something popped into my head as you were describing that, that um, actually argues a little bit against what you are, seems to argue, argue against what you're saying. But hmm. um, I, I would say is we can still be in favor of this because of what you are trying to do in that class. Um, but I am reminded of research... Um, and the researcher's name is eluding me right now. I'm going to try to look it up while I describe it. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, I always laugh when I mention this, but I know it because it was recounted first by Malcolm Gladwell. Um, but uh, there has been research into how people appreciate um, things like the art that they hang on their walls. Um, and I, I assume it's been generalized to other things since then, but, uh, it's suggested that when you make people articulate what they like and don't like about something, uh, mm-hmm. you tend to change their responses to it. And usually in, in, in ways that, uh, veer away from how they actually legitimately emotionally respond to it. Oh, um, that sounds familiar. The yeah. research I'm thinking of in particular involves college students who were, um, invited to, uh, choose a poster for their dorm room, mm-hmm. and they were allowed to choose either um, a funny picture of a cat um, hanging uh, precariously that <laughs> said, hang in there, baby, on it, um, or a poster of an Impressionist painting. And uh, one group of students was asked to do so and told that they would have to explain why they chose what they chose. And mm-hmm. the other group was just allowed to choose whatever they wanted. And both mm-hmm. groups then got to take the poster home for free hang it up on their wall if they like, and six weeks later or so, um, we're asked, you know, what do you think of that poster you got? Um, and what was found was there were two effects. One is the group that didn't have to justify their choices were more likely to choose the painting, you know, the print of the hmm. painting instead of the cat. Um, uh-huh. And overall, no matter what they chose, that group was also a little bit happier with what they chose. Hmm. Um, they were more satisfied with their, their choice six weeks later um, or whatever the time period was. The other group, the group that had to justify their choices, uh, I don't remember if a majority chose the cat, but the cat was chosen a lot more often. And Hmm. that group was overall less satisfied with their choice six weeks on. Hmm. Um, And the the basic explanation is that um, when forced to to explain or justify their choices, uh, people chose the thing that was easier to explain rather than the thing they really liked better. So they chose the thing they, they had something to say about. It's hard to, if you're not an art, art history, you know, major <laughs> or, or an art student, um, and sometimes even if you are, it's hard to explain um, why an impressionistic painting appeals to you um, and, well, sound, and sound that? smart about it. Well, you... it, it's harder, harder than to oh, say, I like a cat. Part. You know, yeah. it's harder than to say, I like cats. Cats are funny. That's a funny poster. Oh, look at his right. big eyes. You know, right. he looks kind of scared. That's funny. Um, it's harder than that. It's not, it's not impossible. 
you know, we're, and we're not talking, right. we're not talking about like, you know, <laughs> explain why your heart beats. Um, but ex- explain why this painting speaks to you versus explain why this poster of a cat is funny. You know, it's, it's an easier choice. Yeah. And, and, uh, now, um, in saying all of that, <laughs> that's not to say your approach is wrong because you are also in a setting where you are trying to get these people to be better at articulating, <laughs> you know, you are the art class, you are the art history class in this case, you know, in the, in the poster example, um, you are in a context where you are trying to get them to speak mm-hmm. articulately and intelligently about their feelings about complicated mm-hmm. things like sentences, paragraphs, mm-hmm. thoughts, words, you know, motifs. <laughs> Um, so I think it's okay that you're pushing in that direction, but it's just, oh, it's something that popped into my you, head. Thank you, Max. <laughs> it was no problem. <laughs> this has unleashed a really obnoxious tidal wave of saying thank you and various responses. Um, you're welcome. Stop it. And I'm probably going to keep thinking about it every time. And now I'm going to be hypersensitive to... Mm-hmm. Thank you and pleases and your welcomes and mm-hmm. everything else. Right. Um, which will be fun. So let me throw this into the mix because I thought of this earlier. So is something like, and it would depend, I'm just speaking generally, of course. Um, would something like an employee of the month award Barf. be... <laughs> so it's gross. We've established that. Um to me, there are certain sort of office-y, culture-y things like that that seem to be a form of gratitude. You know, it might come with some sort of reward, um, you know, the obnoxious parking space or whatever. Is Can that thing be a type of gratitude? And if it's obnoxious, will it ever be effective? <laughs> um, yes and no. Uh, and before I articulate more of, of the reason behind that, um, the study I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, has several researchers attached, but it looks like the, uh, the first chair researcher was the psychologist, Timothy D. Wilson. Okay. Um, which if I really would have thought about, I would have, I would have remembered. So, um, Wilson et al. is the, uh, the cat, mm-hmm. cat poster study. Um, mm-hmm. thanks guys. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> Laughing, laughing whenever one of us thanks anybody or says you're welcome for anything is going to become the show's new meme. Um, and right, and I'm going to say that like going to hate it. It doesn't matter if your gratitude is sincere. If you snort after it, that probably means something else. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Uh, So yeah, employee of the month Um, again, barf. So the thing about employee of the month is not, to me, it's not so much that it's obnoxious, although it usually is. It doesn't have to be, though, but it usually is. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem I have with it is one of the problems I have uh, with, we, we talked about job titles a few weeks ago and sort of mm-hmm. leveling within job titles. And the problem I have with those is that so often it's artificial, and I yes. think this, we have the same problem with employee of the month. We are not recognizing that something significant happened this month. We are recognizing that each month we have to find someone who did something significant and give them an yes. award because it is scheduled. You're fishing for it. Right. And yeah. and I mean the cliche is that like everybody, you know, gets their turn when it's employee of the month. And unfortunately I think that's that's very frequently true. Um mm-hmm. 
and that that's nice in a way because it's nice to get you know it's nice to get praise for something. It's like the the praise sandwich thing. But at that rate, it might as well just be a cake on your birthday. Right. You know exactly. I mean? Exactly. It's in the same category as that. Like you are you are taking care of the needs of the least worthy employee if eventually they're <laughs> going to get their turn. But what you are not doing is taking care of your superstars. And you are not taking care of the average employee who has an above average month where they did do something extraordinary. Um, mm-hmm. Because if it's not their turn, <laughs> you know, or, if it, you know, the, the problem with employee of the month is some months there shouldn't be one. And some months there should be five of them. And mm-hmm. really, yeah. some people should have a giant pile of them and some people should never get it. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, well, she, it is yeah. essentially, it's, you may as well be doing doing, you know, employee's birthday of the month like you say yeah man no so that last part that's something that when billy and i talk the sports ball um not a euphemism literally when we're talking about baseball um that's something that or any sport i suppose especially um at the major leagues um it sort of baffles me that there isn't a better system for certain competitions than these districts and zones where a representative winning team from a particular geographical area or whatever division will advance to play the winner or the winningest whatever from another division or zone. Mm-hmm. Because what if what if the what if the three most winningest teams are in the same zone or district? Right, right. I don't know. Like, there's got to be a better system. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you you could have a year where you know, all of the four best teams are all in the American League. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, you, look you, at you! Nice you job. are not going to get to see any two of them, even you know, face mm-hmm. off at the end of it. Mm-hmm. One of those four will will you know advance to the World Series and face somebody who is at best the fifth best team. Yeah, could be. Uh, and, you know, I, I, some of that's, I, I, there's a, you know, we're, we're wading into territory I'm not qualified to talk about. <laughs> but, I mean, the general idea <laughs> um, is. Because, as you know, mm-hmm. I am a professional um, podcaster making fun of sports ball people, so I don't have anything to Oh, really that contribute. one is true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is like backwards land, Shakespeare and. <laughs> no, what were you saying? Uh, but what I was going to say is, I mean, a lot of, I think a lot of, the thing about sports ball is <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Dr. Phil. <laughs> like I'm gonna have anything to say about that. Uh, <laughs> now now you need to look in that umpire's eyes and <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Phil. Uh, yeah, I got I got nothing. I, I'm not as quick as Merlin is with those. Um But a lot of I think a lot of that stuff is just it's it's rooted in tradition and um a lot of it is probably left over from um, just whole whole ways of organizing everything that are based on geography because um, we used to be even more than we are now a geographic society. Um, right. And I don't mean just us in America, like us in the world. Right. Uh, you know, when it is harder to travel and communicate with other regions, it, geography matters. And mm-hmm. um, I think in in particular, something like, you know, regional um, leagues or divisions in in any organized sporting, um, you know, structure. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're talking about leagues, it makes a modicum of sense that you're going to spend more of the season dealing with who is in your area 
and eventually winnow down to the better ones to take on another area because mm-hmm. of the expense and time involved in competing with another area directly. Mm-hmm. You know, in in an era of uh, of of you know more limited rail and no automobiles, um, you know, in, in the origins of the sport, um, you can't play every other team in the country as often mm-hmm. as you can play the teams that are near you. Yeah. And even even as, you know, time moves on and, and you know, various leagues, you see that see this in, in, I think, college ball even more. You know, the, the leagues less and less have anything to do with their geography. Um, and they're formed and broken up and, and uh, schools move among them for a lot of other reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly we don't have to be so ge- geographically bound now, but these are the structures we've chosen. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the tournaments we have, and it's the tradition we've already had. And yeah. to some extent, extent, it makes sense to continue on with them, even if they're not a completely fair representation, because right. it makes it possible for us to compare to past years. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. somebody somebody who won the World Series a few decades ago, if we are structuring everything, all the tournaments the same now, um, we can say <laughs> it's it's a comparable achievement to win it today. Even mm-hmm. though things do change over time, you know, athleticism and, and sports medicine technology improves over time. <laughs> you know, just general nutrition and health of the American public improves. Mm-hmm. And athletes rules come along with that. You know, the rules else. of the game evolve. Mm-hmm. But if we are all playing according to more or less similar rules and a similar, um, you know, team and league and tournament structure, you know, we can say it's the same achievement to win the World <laughs> Series today that it was then. I don't know. <laughs> For um, reference, that was my... Husband's statistical work was how do you, across eras in baseball, uh, calculate for these differences. Oh, neat. Yeah. So he's going to listen to this and he's just going to be so angry. Uh, not angry. He's just going to be shaking his head, sadly. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, honey, good try. <laughs> oh, honey's brother, yeah, good so, try. <laughs> so Billy, Billy um, shoot me a text or tweet when you hear this and tell me if I got any of this right. Oh, my God. Love you, dear. <laughs> um, no, so what I'm what I what I'm thinking about because I think all this is still absolutely related is that the ways that we hold people up and so whether it's competition or these systems of gratitude and praise and um, recognition, the way that we do it is communicating what we value. So I think it's important to talk about this stuff because how we set it up, yeah, is reflecting what about that person or those people we're choosing to value, Mm -hmm. you know, based on what we're choosing to measure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I, um, yeah, one thing about that too, that I think is, is kind of a priority sort of angle, um, in, in terms of, um, accomplishment and, and, you know, getting your work done, um, and I think there is something to be said for just uh, appreciation, you know, being able to to actually appreciate and to express appreciation well um, for other people, for their good qualities in terms of praise, for things they've done for you or for whatever enterprise you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that is, is um, I don't know, it's a good habit to practice. I do think it is a good driver of, of even, you know, results, of, of tangible results. Um, I will... Bet I can find some some research or a book <laughs> or two on this um, that would say that you know uh, feeling appreciated correlates with employee performance to some extent. 
um, or feeling underappreciated, you know, with, with things like defection to other companies and, <laughs> um, and other, other negative work outcomes. Um, <clears throat> one, one thing I looked at, uh, sort of a show prep, um, I didn't know if we would, we would run down this particular road, and uh, I don't think we'll have too much to say about it, but um, there is a book by uh, Rhonda Byrne of uh, The Secret fame, <sighs> um, <laughs> one of her two follow-up books to that one is called The Magic, and um, it's awful, and mm-hmm. it's all about the law of attraction and how, you know... <laughs> force of your brain will literally physically draw things in the universe to you. Oh my God. You um, might as well be a Scientologist. Mm, you'll probably make more actual money as a Scientologist than <laughs> using this. Um, but the, this particular book, The Magic, um, I, I happen to know somebody who uh, recently this was recommended to them by a medical practitioner um, because... What? Hold on. Hold on. Okay. okay. <laughs> There's, there, is a, there is a sound logical reason for this. Um, because the thing that The Magic um, is really about more than the other books that, that Byrne has put out is, um, is gratitude. Hmm. And it uh, each chapter... Um, and there's chapters on, you know, health and money and relationships and all the other things that the secret will magically draw to you if you focus on them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, each one also has an exercise um, to do at, at the end of the day or the beginning of the day around gratitude. Um, and the idea, uh, you know, the reason this was, was recommended um, uh, to this friend of mine is because uh, they were suffering from some anxiety and, you know, mm-hmm. it was suggested yeah, maybe focusing on counting your blessings on gratitude is going to be, you know, would, would be good for you. And this is a book that has some exercises around that. Um, I, in, in order to refamiliarize myself with the basic premise of the book, I read a good chunk of it a few years ago um, from the library. I'm not giving that woman one cent. There you um, go. Yeah. <laughs> I downloaded the uh, the sample on uh, from Amazon for you know the Kindle app, and I read it on my phone over lunch. The sample, and mm-hmm. um, to give you an idea of the marketing savvy that Rhonda Byrne and her enterprise have, where did they cut the sample off? Well, you get a good chunk of the introduction, and the page that the sample ends. Um, you have a full paragraph of text, and then you have a section heading. And that section heading is the magic formula. Oh, God. After which Gross. there is nothing. I will, I will that, that is not tantalizing <laughs> to me as a reader. That tells me, oh, good, I've stopped in, at just the right moment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Thank well, you, and, Rhonda Byrne. <laughs> and unfortunately, I'm, I'm afraid it will be tantalizing to a number of other readers who, you know are now going to Think be taken advantage of. Yeah. yeah. The magic formula. Oh, 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 now I have to buy it. <laughs> one know, more, one more line and I would have had the formula. Oh Anyways, <laughs> um, the thing, the thing about the whole, the whole secret, the whole law of attraction idea, this, this, you know, like attracts to like and focus on what you want and it will manifest. Mm-hmm. And you know, that whole line of thinking, um, the one thing about that, though, that I, th- I think is kind of useful and kind of works, um, and the reason I think The Magic is the least pernicious of those three books, um, <laughs> <laughs> is when you uh, express gratitude, when you express appreciation, I do think you get more of the things that you are expressing appreciation and gratitude for. Hmm. Um, and I, I talked about this a little bit. Um, I mentioned in our education chapter that I, I wrote a lengthy paper for a class one time on on the subject of the secret. Um, and I was mostly kind of ripping it apart, but I also talked a little bit in there about why it sometimes seems to work. 
you know, why, when you do focus positive energy on things you want, why does it sometimes seem to happen that way? And mm -hmm. one of the things I, I talked about there um, is, you know, when you are focusing on the things you get from the people around you that you like, you will tend to get more of them because you are probably expressing more joy and appreciation about them. And people well, like that. People yeah. respond to that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think, it, you know, if you're doing it in a manipulative way, I, I think <laughs> it will show. But if you are legitimately staying in gratitude and expressing that, you know, there's there's a reason we're taught to say please and thank you. And it's not just because we're bound by tradition and culture and we want to reinforce that we're in a, a reciprocity-based society. It is, mm -hmm. it is because it works, mm -hmm. you know. You'll, yeah. you'll get away with a lot by please and thank you. Well, and I, I think it's, there's another thing too. So part of what you're saying is that people will respond to it and it may actually be happening more, but it's also, um, and I'm sure there's a cognitive bias name for this, but when you get a new card and suddenly you see more of them, mm -hmm. oh, it's yeah, just absolutely. that you are, you are noticing uh, Availability heuristic, I think. Yeah, that sounds good. We'll go with that. <laughs> it's either that or Shakespeare. Ah. Um, the, yeah. the Macbeth principle. Oh, no. A lot of, a lot of death. <laughs> a lot of death. No, no, um, absolutely. And I, that yeah. was actually, that's another thing I talked about in that, that paper where I was ripping apart the secret <laughs> was, you know, that was one of the reasons why it will appear to work, even though it, yeah. it does not necessarily. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm saying though that uh, from the gratitude angle, at least when you appreciate things, yes, you will notice more which ones you have and that will, you know, make it appear mm -hmm. to work. But I think, I do think people respond to that as well. And, and, um, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I think I talked about this study, um, in a episode that never got released. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I'll describe it again. Um, it was, I can't remember if it was Inc or Business 2.0 or Fast Company. And the fact that I can't remember that, I think indicates that, uh, in fact, it did never get released because I would have figured it out and put it in show notes. <laughs> um, but they, they published an article about, um, some research that was done several years ago, um, on, on the very subtle and powerful effects that our expectations of others can have, um, where they, mm -hmm. um, they had uh, mock job interviews, and uh, they had male managers interviewing female candidates, and in certain conditions of the study, the male managers were told that the female candidates were um, interested in them, attracted to them in a romantic way. Um, and uh, on th these these interviews were videotaped, and on uh, subsequent reviews by third parties, the third parties would say that uh, for the male managers who had been told the female candidates were interested in them, the female candidates were f more flirtatious in the way mm. they, they dealt with the male managers. And this was true even in cases, you know, certain certain participants where the the uh, the third parties did not rate the managers as being any more flirtatious or as doing anything to elicit this behavior. Mm -hmm. So just through subtle cues, body language, word choice, things that were too subtle to be picked up on by third parties – they were bringing about the behavior they expected from you know mm -hmm. the women that they were they were interviewing in these mock interview sessions yeah. um and it's it's you know it's an interesting and and actually kind of creepy and scary study um <laughs> but i i think the point it illustrates is we we in all kinds of subtle ways um mm -hmm. 
illicit behavior from the people around us. I think when we raise it to the level of, you know, very blatant and culturally expected behavior, if we're doing a better job more sincerely thanking people, I would imagine that would have to have an effect as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if yeah. I'm if I'm if I'm appreciating this thing you did on the job, am I going to see more of that or less of that versus something I'm ignoring that you're doing on the job? Right. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about a lot of different things. One sort of side comment that I didn't think of, I don't think, <laughs> the first time we talked about that study was <laughs> Well, that's okay because it didn't get broadcast the first time. Yeah, it's perfect. So now I've had time to dwell and here's my So side so comment. you may you may thank me for not <clears throat> Well, I, I could, couldn't I? Um, <laughs> calm down, sir. It was no um, problem. Um, I would like to see that study reversed also to see how male candidates and female supervisors would um, behave. Agreed. You know what I mean? Yeah, but anyway. Um, and by the way, that things? may have been done by now because this was like in 2004. <clears throat> Sure, 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 sure. Um, but interesting either way. Um, yeah. What else was I thinking of? Yeah, so the different ways that the way – so maybe this is a more general takeaway is that the way that we react to people's behavior can affect whether or not and how it happens again in the future, right? Mm-hmm. So right. if something gets corrected the first time it happens a wrong way – then it may be fixed forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you diminish the negative impacts of something bad, so someone, you know, tried very hard to help you, but did something in a way that was not productive, um, mm-hmm. you know, why would you thank them and leave it there? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Sure, um, sure. Because what if it happened again and it really sabotaged something or really right. mucked something up? So you know. in in this case, um, what you're making me think of is this is also an argument against the um, uh, the praise sandwich technique, <laughs> right? Because, because you may if... be cloaking a necessary critique, uh huh. And you don't want to again. So sort of like the the other way, you don't want to diminish the critique if the critique is important. Mm-hmm. You know, For sure. like excuse me, Homer. Um, I really appreciate that you felt comfortable enough to eat a donut at work. Um, next time I'd appreciate it if you would hit that button so that the building wouldn't blow up. But again, thank you for feeling so comfortable that you could eat a donut at your desk. <laughs> like, right. No, right. <laughs> it's not right. how the world and works. <laughs> yeah. You, you are, you are in theory letting them escape with a little bit of dignity, but, um, that might also let them shrug off the very necessary correction that's in the middle mm-hmm. of all that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's also kind of a problem with the, the, you know, the, the, the false praise and, and or false thanks of, of the employee of the month thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if, uh, if you do want to elicit career defining, you know, best ever performance for somebody, from somebody, um, that award needs to mean something every month. Right. And it can't just be that, you know, Beth has not been employee of the month for 32 months straight, so really we've got to get her in this time. Right. It'd be really embarrassing, like, if John got it again, you know. Right. Not good. <sighs> that guy. <laughs> what is, how does he do it? Honest, honestly, I think he's taking credit for Beth's work. I think people are thanking him, and he knows it's not his job, and, and that's, that's, you know, saving the day, and He's, mm. he's accepting it. 
We should get Beth a cake. <clears throat> we should. We really should. Yes. Yeah. A gratitude cake. Um, um, yes. Uh, one, one last thing from my side, and then if you've got anything else, I'm happy to talk about anything else. Um, but... Uh, one more, one more thing that I'd prepped on, um, just in case, um, uh, and it, it's actually kind of an argument for, again, just practicing gratitude or doing the kinds of exercises in a book like The Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, a book like The Magic, I don't recommend The Magic. Um, it's stupid. But, um, for, for practicing some sort of gratitude exercise, um, there's a study I looked up, uh, that I'd, I'd heard of before, and it was actually very easy to find because if you go to Google Scholar and search for the word gratitude, it mm-hmm. is the third response, uh, because it has, according to Google Scholar, 1,351 other scholarly, uh, citations. Hmm. Um, and it is from 2003 from the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. And it is entitled Counting Blessings, excuse me, uh, Counting Blessings Versus Burdens, an Experimental Investigation of Gratitude and Subjective Well-Being in Daily Life. Hmm. Um, it's uh, by two researchers named Emmons and McCullough. And um, basically what they, what they did is they had students do these various exercises. Depending on what condition you're in, you might be um, listing things that you felt grateful for, um, you know, literally counting your blessings for the last week or the last day. Um, or in another condition, you might be just listing random events that happened to you that had an impact on your life or, um, listing out hassles that you encountered. Um, (laughs) I like that hassles is the term they used. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and they, they did it in a couple of studies using students, a couple hundred students each time. And they did a study actually with adults that had, um, various like neurological motor disorders, um, just to kind of get some variety and see if it would generalize, um, to non-student populations. And what they found was, um, in a variety of, of, you know, mood and affect and, and, um, optimism for the week to come kinds of measures, um, the people in the gratitude conditions tended to do better. Um, and although these, these results were not as generalized across the three studies as, as the, you know, mood and, and outlook results, um, and, and, uh, oh, inter- interpersonal, um, you know, quality of interpersonal relationships as well. Hmm. Um, the, uh, they also found positive um, physical well-being outcomes, um, huh. such as such as better quality of sleep um, in the condition where people were regularly counting their blessings. Um, so again, I, it's uh, it's only one study. I did not read all one thousand three hundred and fifty-one of the other scholarly works that cited the study. Some of which may be um, contradicting it with later results, but um, mm-hmm. it was it was an interesting. Um, you know, first stab at this question and, uh, you know, at least, at least one data point suggesting, you know, maybe it's, it's good to not just practice being good at thanking people and not just practice being good at receiving thanks, but also just to practice being grateful in general and appreciating things. Yeah. Count your blessings. (laughs) Count your blessings. I will. Thank you. No problem. You have been listening to Priority. Once again, for complete show notes, or if you'd like to send us feedback via email or subscribe to the show, visit us on the web at priority.fm. If you enjoyed the program today, please go to iTunes and leave us a positive rating and review, as that will help new listeners find the show. Also, if you're interested in getting updates or communicating with us via tweets, follow us on Twitter, where we are at Priority FM. That's at P R. 
I-O-R-I-T-Y-F-M. Thanks again for listening. No, my response to that last part, because um, I, I wrote this down earlier and I was thinking about it, and I don't know how to bring it up, so this is probably um, after dark. Um, no, I think about the idea of gratitude journals and gratitude Facebook posts, and I don't know. I just have a really weird feeling about those practices, and maybe it's just the public part of it. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. And maybe I'm just being cynical or something, but it feels like when I watch, I don't like watching other people make themselves do these practices, mm-hmm. like do these exercises. Right. I don't like it. Right. I guess. And maybe it's the arbitrariness. Maybe this can go in. Maybe I'm not a horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it could but, be, it could be the arbitrariness. It could be too though. And this is, I think, I, I think I share some of your distaste with it. There is something very personal to me about the kinds of things that someone would be writing in a gratitude journal, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, which, by the way, I'm not specifically advocating any kind of you know journal or a literal list of your blessings. Just the just the practice of of you know mindfully and routinely, regularly being being appreciative of you know the things that you are grateful for. It sounds like you're saying keep that to yourself. I kind of am.